Thanks, Amin. And by the way, big shout out to Amin Jacobs, the original member of Team High Rise, who's been helping me make this happen. And love and appreciation to everyone who's been hard at work and pretty much still is in giving this experience wings. As you stretch into your new wisdoms, or gather them for reflection later, I want to take this moment and invite you to join us on our Facebook group to share your insights with us, or shoot us any questions that you may have. And just to jump ahead a little bit more, I know that one of the big questions that come up is the one around replays, right? So, yes, there will be a replay available for a limited time. So you'll be able to check your mailboxes for those details and plug into whichever individual speaker that moved you the most or that you want to learn a little bit more from. So, if you're not good with multitasking, you may want to write down those questions onto Evernote or pop them through a little bit later as we start wrapping up day one because Right now, we're going to keep this ball rolling because we have so much amazing content and we really want to honor you and speakers in a really powerful way. So let's keep the show on the road and step into introducing a very special friend of mine. Ready? Eletheria, truth blazer and sacred feminine alchemist, has been drawn into creating purposeful engagements that ignite a thrivation. She's been a huge catalyst in my life in supporting this movement. So our endless conversations are just literally notable and I know you'll want a note and paper for this one. So if you didn't have one for the Rodolfo chat, now's your chance to quickly go and get one. In the meanwhile, I'll keep telling you a little bit more about Eletheria. Let's see. Fusing her innate gifts to lift the veil and move people into other dimensions with the foundation of psychology, metaphysical methodology, and a lifetime of experience, Eletheria effortlessly spun her magical web in order to integrate these modalities and empower you to come into sacred union. As a wisdom keeper and illuminator of reality, she's expanded this vision into the corporate environment in the form of stress management, intuitive leadership, personal development skills, and an embedded practical spirituality that's moved countless people's lives. As a Love Light Oracle, her work has received well in both mystical and corporate worlds. Bridging both worlds, muggle and magical, through practical spirituality, she offers insights and sustainable shifts within the respectable bounds of a personal belief structure. But above all, it is her work as a catalyst, as a catalyst for awaking, activating and anchoring the powers within that has left this rainmaker leaving her impressions around the landscapes of both Southern U Africa and Europe. She's a true pioneer in being the change you want to see, and she authentically walks her walk. Her meditation album, Sacred Feminine Alchemy, which you experienced a taster of at the very beginning of this call, proved to be a turning point in her deepened work to taking things to the next level. And, in the true spirit of evolution, it has resulted in the birth of one of many online courses. Currently, between birthing her first soon-to-be-published book, Trial by Fire, The Gift in the Wound of Betrayal, you can find her creating global change with her global retreats, developing a local retreat center in Cape Town where she runs the Yes Please Take Me There experiences called Slow Living Retreats which I highly personally recommend. There's also her work that she does with the Global White Lion Protection Trust. And that's just the tip 
the iceberg. And here she is, Eleutheria. Welcome to the Global Movement Summit. Thank you very much. And I'm so honored to be part of this beautiful globe. For those of you already in the know, you may know that Eleutheria has already joined us on the Supernova podcast for quite a few times already. And it's only fair to, to share that wisdom with the Global Movement stage. So yay to that. Um, one thing I just kind of wanted to point out is Cape Town's being under a ring of fires and seeing that today's talk is all about catalysm and what it means to lead with your catalytic self. Eleferia, did you start those fires too? Absolutely not. However, it is quite a purifying experience and, uh, and it's amazing also to see the movement that, it's, that it is ignited all around it. Community, um, the lessons learned out of it and... Um, and a great awakening, actually, for all involved. And the Cape Town Fire has been really taking up our social media feeds. And what I love about that is that even though there are quite a few chaos creators and opportunists out there, everything's moving towards how can I help? How can I be a part of this? And how can I contribute to the greater story? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, it's... Uh, it's a great opportunity to discern between, between that, you know, this is a, it's an experience that has happened and what are you going to do with that experience? And um, are you going to, um, you know, take a selfie with uh, what you're doing and, um, or with the fire or devastation behind you? Or are you going to um, just do what comes from your heart? Are documenting it, you know, our social media has kind of lends itself towards a lot of narcissism, and so our choice in, in in it is to actually just help where you can without documenting it, and just allowing that to be enough for you. We, I think, we've created a space in which there's a huge reward for for um, for that kind of selfie. You know, of look at me, look at what I'm doing. And I would love to see a movement in which people just do it for nature or do it for themselves and for that to be enough so that there isn't any external need for that validation and approval. Because I think intrinsically that's where that behavior comes from. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think the gift in that is to really look at how we engage to almost practice the art of re-engagement because yes, selfies are going to be around for some time to come, but how we choose to contribute to the story and how we choose to tell it is really our own creation. Absolutely. Oh, and I also I don't want to neglect to mention that, of course, the, the other 50% um, are people who have done this, who, who are sharing positive pictures of seeds that are now you know, have the trees that have survived, the seeds that are ready to reseed in this, in this, um, this fire, and beautiful buttons which are shared, uh, wrote a wonderful article around how fires are really intrinsic and natural and, and part of part of life in, in the bigger scheme of things on a mountain, and and um, and also quite you know empathetic towards the the uh, people who have lost homes or, or who have lost things in the fire, but. Ultimately, that it's all part of nature's cycle, and and also to have seen a community that have also come together um, in a way which has been quite proactive. So, cleanup drive and various. Um, um, what I loved to see yesterday was that so much food has been donated, which is wonderful to the firefighters and the volunteers, and there was a surplus of that. And with the community here where I live then decided to then donate that to the poorer areas who are really struggling to those schools and, and the medical supplies to redirect that somewhere else where it's needed. And, and that kind of movement and drive is just so inspiring to see. It's a beautiful thing to see in motion. It really, really is. And I was just watching a video on how, for example, the one department, I think it was the Nautic department, sent over food to the Fishuk department because 100 people hadn't eaten for a couple of hours. And the next thing they know, a hundred fresh new meals come in or a hundred new supplies came in. And it's just beautiful to see that symbiotic 
ecosystem, that law of attraction coming into play. Absolutely, and that, that heart in is is really uh, our our true essence. So here's to less chaos, less drama, and less of those soap operas on continuous replay. We could definitely do with tuning out of some of those stories in replay. Absolutely. So let's deep dive into a bit of a deeper dimension on this because all this talk of phoenix and catalyst and, and really sustainable change is something that you really do. It's close to your heart. It's the way you show up. Absolutely. So maybe let's start with the definition. What is catalyst and what does it mean to you? What does it look like? What does that embody and how does that change the world? Okay, so for me, a kind of, you know, catalyst is really something that ignites um, change. Um, and um, in, a com- in a chemical kind of situation, you know, that is really a, a chemical that sparks off a complete shift and change in chemical consistency of something or creates a movement. And, um, and kind of in a social structure or um, at, a, at that kind of level where I kind of work, I'd like to see or define a catalyst and the spark that kind of ignites the next kind of global movement, inspires change, and maybe stimulates some debate and, and brings about that shift in perception or plants that seed change. Knowing that, you know, the catalyst, and for me, really as a truth blazer, my, the tool for me usually as a catalyst is the truth. And there's this thing that happens specifically with truth blazers that's almost sad to see because throughout history the truth blazers have been labeled and mislabeled conspiracy of theorists or, 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 or just somebody who's disruptive and they get shunned from society yes but it really doesn't need to be that way anymore we don't need to fear telling the truth absolutely absolutely and, uh, and for me in itself you know all my life has been kind of a catalyst of truth it's been such a process of initiation, you know, to step fully into embodying this purpose and, and to see it as a gift of kind of my authentic presence here to share with the world. And, you know, being that catalyst doesn't inspire even lots of friendships, in fact, you know, or, or score you any popularity points in today's society because we're so set up to reward kind of people-pleasing behavior. And I think we're a little bit oversensitive to, to people calling us out on stuff. So I think what we need to cultivate ourselves as people and, and on a personal development level is to be able to receive feedback in a constructive way and give feedback in a constructive way. So, um, you know, the, the kind of catalyst um, asks the illusion-shattering kind of questions or opens the kind of, you know, elephant-sized worms in the room or, or speaks about the hard, obvious facts and then incites some kind of reaction. So for me and, and what I've learned in my experience is the art of kind of being catalyst really refines you an experience of wisdom. So I've had to learn this very fine line between getting into people's business and and then also uh, on the other hand to say what needs to be said truly for the animals, the unconscious, for people who are in denial. Um, and there's a fine line there between supporting somebody through, through that catalytic um, behavior or, or ignition um, and rescuing. So we have to be very clear as a catalyst on, on where you, you are coming from to keep that kind of essence really pure and clear so that it comes from a space of, of social responsibility and rather than, you know, needing to be liked or, and, and to come from a space of contributing, being that contributing member of humanity and owning the fact that being part of that means you, for me at least, you know, is, is you're going to give some truth or, or highlight some, some shadow behavior and it's going to be, it's never pretty, the truth is never pretty and it's going to spark off a reaction. And to learn how to not, as the catalyst, not take that reaction personally. So, so the catalyst sparks um, a, a, a reaction or, or a 
then stand back and kind of be grateful after that moment. <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm, and what I love about what you're saying there is return on investment shifts to really about the value. There's no ego, there's no personality there. So Eleutheria, I have a really big question for you because on the spectrum of selfishness, where you're either selfless or selfish, where does a catalyst then live in this? Because it's easy to think just by hearing the words that you're saying that we need to be selfless, where perhaps that may not be the case, or perhaps we need to almost balance the two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, that just it unfolds and unfolds and deeper and deeper when we continue to learn as we grow. So for me, it's been a, a, an experience of just refining and refining what my intentions are, staying very clear, um, choosing moments which are aligned, um, choosing conversations in the way in which you set it up in maybe a private space or a public forum to address things. And, um, and I think, you know, when we're coming from a heart-centered place, you make choices that are that are maybe this piece a bit into the selflessness, where it's your choices are to contribute to the larger whole, the greater good for all. And um, what I kind of see and what I'm observing is that in our society, in that space of not being too scared to speak the truth, is what we're not realizing we're doing when we don't speak up or if we're being apathetic is we're enabling kind of destructive behavior. So that choice of just keeping quiet for the sake of peace, which is a complete illusion, because you're not actually keeping peace, you're, you're enabling behavior that's destructive or you're enabling um, somebody's um, personality type or behavior that is, that is, you know, contributing towards something that isn't healthy for anybody else involved. So it's contributing towards uh, toxic relationships or toxic behavior or, um, and what we're communicating when we, we keep quiet is to tell that person that it's okay. So, I mean, ultimately we train other people how to treat us and how to treat the world at large. So when you don't say anything, you're, you're a part of enabling that situation. And so it's, it's a little bit of, of self-development in really getting to know yourself really well and getting to discern your own stuff from other people's stuff, to be clear on that, and to process your own stuff. And then moving forward from this uh, heart space where you're very clear and maybe even the fear space of the feminine comes in when you need to say what you need to say, but in a, in a very non-charged, conscious, catalytic there's a very powerful distinction that comes into play and it feels like it's the choice between being destructive and being a catalyst. And when I mention the word destructive, I mean destructive could be when you're in ego, when you're doing all the things you're not supposed to be doing, but destructive could also be hiding your true nature. So then the truth becomes it's about being yourself and serving your best self or being something that doesn't serve you. Absolutely. And I think the word for me that it really embodies that is sovereignty. The word of sovereignty is that, and I, I mean, this is really what I'd love to, I'd love to ignite movement of sovereignty where we are self-governed. So we're, we're accountable for our own behaviors, our choices, um, and the consequences of those behaviors and choices. And we um, have a level of self-awareness in which can really step into that responsibility or accountability of being sovereign because that truly that actually really helps you to live an authentic life and a free life. And then also to be in a community of sovereign beings, which means if you're seeing that I'm a little bit off the path or I'm behaving in a, a way which isn't in alignment with my belly system, highlight it. If I'm blind to it or it's a shadow behavior that's coming out, we need to be able to welcome that and not take that personally and go, okay, a, a person is really dear to me or a loved one has highlighted that when, what I, when I do this, that is the consequence for it. Perhaps it's 
you know, it's not exactly how I would like for it to be or how I'm for it to come out, but it is coming across as a certain way. Or, or actually, you're in your, in your negative ego right now. And, and that in itself can be a powerful you know, shift back into authenticity. Sometimes we don't see our own stuff and we need somebody else to kind of reflect that. But again, self-awareness and sovereignty helps you to be able to discern between projection and reflection. So then maybe there's a little bit of catalyst in every single one of us. Maybe there's a space that we all occupy, that persona or that archetype in our lives. Absolutely. I think it's one of our archetypes. And I think some of us just embody that archetype a little bit uh, stronger. Or maybe it's that's an archetype that's more the leader of all of our archetypes that we embody. But I think definitely it's all of us. So not to put you on the spot, Eletheria, but who else is on this archetypal journey with us? You know, if I look at a movement, um, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, maybe label all of the different archetypes now, but a movement, a global movement really starts with that catalyst that ignites it. And, and for me, and after that, this is your gift. That's what you do, and then you step in. If, and this is what I've realized for myself is if I stayed with that movement then perhaps I got attached to it and perhaps then some ego came in and I wanted to own it then to go I created this or I you know set this up when actually a movement is really a collect collective collaboration of creation so um, it takes the catalyst to ignite something then there's the next archetype after that who's receiving this um, maybe maybe it's to the steps of you know alchemy so the next step really is that, that purifying fire that's now burning through any illusions and the people that can sift through that kind of chaos is the next kind of archetype. And the next movement you know, are people that bring order and bring structure into, into it. And then you have people start implementing the structure and start bringing it into you know, the gold or the, the philosopher's stone or, or bringing that movement into being. So it's a collective um, movement of, of um, experience and you need all of these different players in this tribe to bring it all home into being. And just on that note, I think this is a perfect moment to just pause and say thank you Eletheria because I think it was last year sometime that we were sitting having coffee and I was playing around with the supernova concept and, because that's a big part of my personal story. And the word supernova was there, and the word summit somehow came into the room. And I was playing around with the whole idea of the supernova summit, thanks to you. And of course, that's evolved into the global movement summit, which I think is a much bigger conversation that can be had across different spectrums. But without that conversation, without that cup of coffee, we wouldn't be here today. Thank you. See, I don't even remember that conversation. <laughs> it needs it needs and I, and I like the fact that I don't that conversation it needs to kind of just flow you know sure. from a from just a hot kind of space and um, yeah beautiful and also look at how beautifully it's just unfolded you know so to see how it, you know all the steps that, that fell into place brought it into being what it is now and what it will unfold to further in the future and where it will take everybody that's you know a part of this beautiful experience so the conversation we're really having that you're having that i'm having is really one of evolution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and again, you know, bringing into um, into the you know that movement as well, and, and uh, is uh, the other structure that I love to work with, which is the hero or the heroine's journey. It's that all of those different phases of um, of experiencing a journey into being. And even though the catalytic role may appear to be such a public role, that it doesn't happen behind closed doors or in isolation, there's still a lot of behind the scenes stuff that gets processed. And we've both seen it coming about in, in our own ways and in our own movements, as have many of the speakers. But that doesn't make it any easier. That doesn't make it any less pierceable or palatable because all the fears are still very much in the room. And especially as a catalyst, you're doing something that's so out there that those things become amplified. Absolutely. So, so the first kind of fear uh, you, 
you need to get over is is people's reaction. Because what happens is when you're a catalyst and you you're usually challenging something that catalysts do. You know, you're, you're challenging a set belief system. You're challenging um, uh, something that somebody's attached to, which they're holding on to, and perhaps they convince themselves that this is the, the right way. Um, but you're challenging a state as it is, um, and um, and usually that reaction is directed towards obesity. So first thing to do is to learn not to take things personally. And I think again, you know, the wonderful work of Don Miguel Ruiz comes into play, you know, with the four agreements, is to kind of learn how to how to say what you mean and mean what you say, and then not take things personally. And the second thing I think which is really important to cultivate is um, from that space of, of really just standing in your own very balanced, clear power to, to discern where your intention is coming from, um, to take the time necessary to really process through all of your stuff so that by the time you, you ignite that catalytic question, answer, uh, um, behavior, uh, movement, whatever it however it presents itself, um, is to come from a very, to, to cultivate, sorry, a, a compassionate sense of holding that space balance. So to know, to know that the truth will ignite the reaction, but also in the same way to then hold that space for somebody else to have the reaction. Without becoming attached to it? Without becoming attached to it, it's, a, it's really a, um, a skill that you, you learn and you develop over the years. It, it, um, it's taken me a long time to, to really be very comfortable with the role of being a, a catalyst and to not take things personally hold space for it and to stay in the higher view of of seeing alchemy taking place, which means you drop the truth bomb and then a lot of illusions will shatter and there will be an experience with them. I mean, not, none of us really, our, our negative ego does not like change at all. So there will be a huge internal struggle and conflict when, when the truth starts distilling. So... Uh, and it's a very painful process. I mean, even for ourselves, um, when we start facing the truth about something, it's a painful process. It means that something has to be let go of, something has to die, the, the untruths and the denials have to be removed and purified. So that first stage of alchemy is really painful. Then the next step, and this is where we're holding the space for knowing that it's a process that will complete itself. The next step is really to then start activation process where you start re rebuilding and, and, and changing and shifting back into wholeness, back into a state of, of clarity, back into the true essence of who you really are and knowing that this the process in the end where you, where you really start integrating this new piece of or this rebirth that you're experiencing through you know, the, the archetype of the phoenix, that there will be this, this beautiful essence that is born from so when you have that in mind, you, you kind of just very humble, clear way, hold space for that. And um, so I think that is incredibly important. And then also to, to really just cultivate sovereignty for yourself, um, to be in that space and be impartial as well, knowing that other people can be a catalyst for you as well. So as, as you catalyze, you can, you can experience it both ways. It's a two-way kind of on the street. And to be open as well to to learning and growing yourself. And um, yeah, so so to discern, I think it's also very important to discern between your stuff, as I was just saying, and choosing when it is appropriate to say something from integrity and from sovereignty in the service for the higher good of all. And then and when to walk away. And there's already enough of those in the world. It's not about fighting the good fights, because then you're still just in a duality conflict. But it's about illuminating truth and igniting the conscious kind of revolution. So sparking a sense of self-accountability and awakening that empowerment and igniting that authentic leadership. For me, sovereignty is really that. It's, it's authentic leadership from within. And then I think the last wisdom that I can share around uh, um, a catalyst, and I'm sure I'll still learn lots of being a catalyst, is to 
that living authentically means that you're going to be in discomfort. So, to, so being okay with that discomfort, and the discomfort is usually just um, that fear of being rejected or, or being shunned from society, um, or, and ultimately for us, that's a fear of disconnection. So Brene Brown said it's so beautiful um, in her teachings around um, the gifts of imperfection with authenticity that um, that you choose that one second of discomfort over six months of entertainment. So you can either people please not say anything, not feel it like this, and then um, and then experience that internal conflict of, of you regretting that you didn't say anything and beating yourself up because you weren't truthful and knowing that you people please but actually you know you're being inauthentic and so so it's choosing that one second of discomfort. I can never help but smile when we bring this part of the conversation up or, or when I find myself having this conversation because authenticity is something we crave, we need, we desire, we want. It's, it's our natural state. And yet the irony is that very often we're anything less than authentic because of the fears and because of the judgments and the egos and everything else that really clutters up the room. So it's, it's fascinating to see that true authenticity lies beyond anything we've known, anything we do on a day-to-day -day basis. It doesn't live in our fears or in our so-called comfort zone. It lives outside. So the question is, can we have, as a catalyst, true comfort? Or does discomfort always naturally come into the box? Yes, yes absolutely. So, so true comfort would be, for me, it would be a nurturing space. So the nurturing space where um, you are cultivating a sense of, of uh, self-respect and uh, self-acceptance and um, being the, the um, allowing yourself to receive nurturing and um, in a very healthy balanced way and and the discomfort which is knowing that that discomfort which you lean into is literally only shaking up in challenging your um, kind of limiting beliefs that, that maybe just an old program um, that wants to be pleased, that needs and seeks the approval of others. And so even if you process through a lot of that stuff, it may come out for you. And that's the discomfort that you're leaning into, to know that all of that is really illusion. It may be coming up right now, but it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it has power. Wow, that's a really powerful thing, if we claim it. Yes, to really, I think to, for me it's always about Finding the root cause, root cause of that discomfort is an illusion. Ultimately, it's phenomenal when we when we tap into the neurosphere of it, when we see the grandeur of what a little piece of fluff in our aura space can create. That this isn't some esoterical weird thing, and even esoterical doesn't mean that way. But there's a tangibleness to it. There's a palatable form to it. it it's really more than any dimension that we've ever known of. It's it's multi-sensory and it's real. We're we're multi-dimensional beings and um, and I think our our quest is really, you know, the old wise sayings most of the ancient temples were all about know thyself. So the more we get to truly know the, the intrinsicness of, of our multi-dimensional being, the more peaceful we'll become the more connected we will be, the more authentic connections we will make with those around us, um, and the healthier I think our society will be. And I think the more we will step back into that sacred living space in harmony with nature. And being a multi-dimensional being, somebody who fuses in a lot of spirituality into everything that you do and everything that you are, what are some of the spiritual shifts that you would like to see usher in with this shifting philosophy, with this shift age? I think globally at the moment, you know, people are um, really are still searching, still very much searching for the truth, um, for uh, a sustainable way of being and living. And I think a lot of 
the, the wisdom keepers and within ourselves, again, an archetype within ourselves, it's in our lineage, I think, um, are coming to the forefront. And I think a lot of the, at the moment, I think we're, we're on a, at the precipice of global alchemy. So I think a lot of untruths and illusions are being shattered in all different fields, all different belief systems, because ultimately I think people really want the truth and, and they want a sustainable way of, of living, connecting, and being. So I think we're already on the, um, the ball is already moving. And um, again, I think that perhaps I won't see it in my lifetime, this lifetime, but I still want to plant all of the seeds that I possibly can to make this movement as sustainable as possible. I think the one thing that we, when we attach to results, we we um, also choose different choices and different seeds to plant maybe if we attach to the results. But for me, the, the wise man is the man or woman <laughs> that plants the seed of the tree that she or he will never sit in the shade of. Knowing that, you know, our elders and the wisdom keepers of this planet always used to um, share the wisdom and the truth of, of making choices for the next seven generations. So, and I think that what is happening now is that that wisdom is starting to seep back into consciousness all around. You can look at a lot of um, supermarkets are all, I mean, it's, you know, Sustainable and organic food is a huge kind of trend at the moment. And even though I think some people are, are jumping onto the commercial bandwagon of this, this consumerist kind of drive, ultimately maybe it is good, um, mostly. But what we need to be aware of now is conscious consumption. It's good that we're looking at organic food, but we still have to look at are we depleting the soil. So because there's a bigger need for, for organic food, it means that we've got to cultivate and farm in a much bigger way. And that doesn't necessarily be looking after the soil. So I think we're awakening, but we still have to stay awake in all of these processes and continue to awaken to conscious consumption. Because I think that is the biggest that we need to see now. And that is where our power lies as consumers, is where do you spend money? How do you spend it? Um, where are you contributing? Or are you finding the sustainable farm in your community and supporting them? For sure. And it's so beautiful to see how cities are coming together in really powerful ways and creating those pockets where we can create that sustainable change that we want to see in the world. My um, my beautiful partner, um, which is very inspiring, he has shared with me a, a wonderful what he would love to see in the world is everybody growing their own food. You know, whether it is one one little beanstalk that you grow, but when you grow your own food, part of part of what um, inspires you or ignites within you is a reconnection with nature, and also um, a sense of sovereignty in it. You know, and that reconnecting with where your food comes from is so incredibly important. Reconnecting with everything, really. But for me, at the moment, it's reconnecting with food. You know, we're, we're, we, we've been trained in such a way to, to uh, myself included, not excluded from this, to, to go to a supermarket and to get something beautifully packaged. And um, there's no um, cracked eggs or nothing. Everything seems quite clinical, clean, and and there's no connection to the whole cycle of life. So there's a disconnection there of, you know, um, of how that produce came to be. For sure, and it's really more about igniting that connection than any of these other things. Absolutely, and and when we are disconnected like that, we consume. So for me, it's really about just becoming conscious. Which then brings us back into addiction and all those other things. Absolutely. Addiction, debts, and drugs. Uh -huh. well, to basically just distract ourselves or numb ourselves um, from 
the lives that we're living that we're really just not happy with. Sure, you know, it's um, it, for me, it kind of is just any kind of escape. If you need to escape from from your life, your daily life, that this is a huge kind of awakening call or red flag in life. If you can't wait for five or six o'clock for that glass of wine, you need to start looking at what it is about your life that's not working for you. We really can, really can live a beautiful life that is balanced and healthy and um, is inspiring. And even at times when it's not and it's challenging and lots of stuff coming up and you're processing through stuff, you can stay conscious and immersed and know that it's all part of this beautiful experience that you've signed up for, that you're here to experience. So I think the big takeaway in all of this is consciousness. Being aware of what fires have yet to be lit within all of us. Fueling those and letting the embers of the others fall as they may. And I think, above all, trust. Trust will be big. Absolutely. And also, I would add one last thing. You know, to be open to all the catalytic events, books, um, songs, things uh, around you. To just be open to allow that catalytic process to run through the beautiful process of our And I think you bring up a very interesting question, Etheria, because... When, when I first announced the Global Movement Summit, and I was very selective of how I went about getting my guests, but there was one particular group in Facebook where I thought, here seems to be people who are aligned. And I kind of wanted to put a bit of a tester call out and see who would come back to me in terms of what they wanted to bring about as a global movement. And of course, there were the revolutionaries of notes, people who wanted to fight corruption, people who wanted to just speak into the poverty and the kind of mental condition of our own humanity and fight the system and fight the corruption and fight the banking. And that wasn't the conversation I wanted. I think it's you can you can look at that as a, a from a very compassionate space and know that, you know, that is the first steps of alchemy, you know, is that, that moment when your whole belief structure has just been rocked. And the first response we have or reaction we have is to fight back. So, you know, um, from a kind of biological and psychological perspective, once we've gone through shock, then and we've moved through denial and shock, then we're going to go into fight, flight, and freeze response to trauma. It's trauma, you know. So it's a traumatic um, experience that you've had, and this is what you're trying to do to regain control of your life because you're feeling like everything that you've known is now out of control so i think we we all kind of initially experienced that and again globally people are experiencing that um and so when we're compassionate to that state of being with people we can maybe help catalyze or guide them out of that state of trauma back into a place which is proactive which is out of the drama healing space through the trauma into proactive activism, which has got a positive, clear intention and solutions driven. Because there ultimately is no, you know, conflict is conflict. So when you're fighting a system, you're just perpetuating the conflict. So the question to yourself is, are you, by, by doing that, are you not being exactly the same as them? So, you know, it's being in that dynamic of you've been a victim and maybe you want to switch tables now and become the person you make the person you the victim. And, and when you're in that dynamic, you're, you're going nowhere. It's quite a, a destructive cycle to be in. It's important, I think, to, to highlight all the truths. And again, as we were saying, highlight the truth, step away from it. And, um, and allow... You know, there's that beautiful saying um, by St. Augustine, I think. Just double check my, my quote here. But the truth is like a lion. And you kind of don't have to defend it. You just need to set it free. You need to defend itself. So, um, yeah. And I think also, often people get confused between their truth and somebody else's truth. But they're confusing that with 
opinions to present it to you. The truth is kind of the truth is the truth. Like anywhere you slice it, it's, it's the truth. Um, so there's a difference between the perception and the illusions and actually the truth. Knowing that the truth as well becomes deeper and evolves and grows. It's more information that we gain. So, so yes, I think it's just being compassionate with the people that are that are um, moving through trauma because that's what it is. So, tell us a little bit more about how you facilitate the process as a catalyst, as a truth blazer, as a spiritual oracle, and and and, and really support people in this beautiful journey inwards onwards and upwards because it's it's such an important work that you do and the world really needs to know it um one of my my deep passions is is um, sacred feminine alchemy and um and there as well there's a wonderful catalytic work that we're doing and um how i i offer um my services to to the intention the service of the sacred feminine alchemy energy is um, I offer online courses um, called Sacred Feminine Alchemy, and it's a beautiful journey um, that takes you through a whole kind of process, a kind of what we're talking about today, to really step into awakening the true part of you, which I kind of call your Sophia self, which is the part of you that is whole, healed, and complete, and is that has got that connection to wisdom. So I truly believe we've got all the answers that we ever need within us and we kind of just need to, to access that. So I help you to step through this whole journey, to step into that space where you can access the part of yourself. And that journey um, takes you through letting go of, of all of the illusions and distractions and um, limiting beliefs that you may have and then to really step into the, the truth and the essence um, of who you are and why you came to be here. And then I also offer um, in the beautiful space that I live in, um, in Nurtuk, we offer um, slow living retreats and uh, here we kind of just offer you this beautiful sanctuary in which you can step back into a heart-centered space, become quiet, eat some really good sustainable um, allow your body to just relax and to to slow down ultimately. And slow, slow living. Slow stands for sacred living, opening up wisdom. And so it's about just stepping back into what is true for you, what is real for you, what is important to you. We, we rush in this kind of crazy world that we live in. We disconnect as we're rushing through things. And so it's about stepping back into that beautiful sacred presence in all things. Um, and then I also offer um, once a year, um, I offer a beautiful kind of soul journey retreat and this year we're going to Crete. So we're going to the island of goddess of love, Aphrodite, and uh, we gather and have a beautiful journey inward and explore all of the archetypes around that goddess of love and beauty and sensuality. So really reconnect with the sacred feminine from that aspect of this beautiful, magnificent, sacred land where um, the myths and the legends of her are all embodied in that beautiful space. So what you really do is honor people in their journey back to self, back to center, to returning to their own temple. Thank you. Yes, so really looking forward to sharing that beautiful journey to return to the temple with, with all the beautiful beings that are ready and wanting to um, step into that and who resonate with this call, this call to return to the sacred part of yourself. And let this truth be said, we are in the shift age. We've been talking about the shift is coming for quite some time and a lot of people have, but we're, we're on the cusp of it, and it has been literally documented by David Hall and Owen Shapiro, who you will hear about a little bit later in the Global Movement Summit, is that we're actually in it right now. 2015 marks the start of the shift age. 
So it's so exciting to see the tangibleness of it and to have these conversations. So thank you for being one of those luminaries to say the truth. Thank you. And thank you for being the organizer that brings everybody together to actually share this beautiful experience and all of this wisdom. And as we wrap up this conversation, I have one really, really, really big question to ask you, Eleferia. What is your global movement? What is that one thing that gets you up and gets you going and fuels you onwards, inwards and upwards? What's that story and how can we support you? Good question. I think um, at the heart of what I would love to see and maybe just to catalyze is authentic and sustainable living for all kind of sentient beings on this planet, which means um, me, that means living um, a life of, of authenticity, which means you, you're stepping into sacred living and returning to that temple space within, which means you're in reverence of, of all life around you, and nature, people, um, animals, and then to start making choices in which um, your life and the lives of everybody else around you is sustainable, which kind of brings us back to making those choices for the next seven generations. So when you're um, buying food, is it sustainable? If you're uh, burning firewood, are you planting a tree? Are you, um, how are you contributing and how are you consuming? Just being very conscious of that and connecting to things that we have that we pull our lives up with, is it biodegradable? Where is it going to go when you leave? Where is it going to be in seven generations' time? Um, and that, for me, is really living with love and respect to Mother Nature, the, the essence and the mother that holds us, sustains us, clothes us, shelters us, and feeds us. And so reconnecting in an authentic way that would be ultimate movement to capitalize oh what a beautiful movement to set out into the world and i know how much that means to you on a personal level so thank you for sharing that thank you so that would for me would be the embodiment of the thrive illusion where we're thriving in harmony with everything else around us it feels like the world's really leaning into it and really leaning into the space and all we need sure. to remember is that it's really up to us to lean into it because once we start leaning into it, we're going to be that spark. Yes. And again, thank you so Absolutely. much, Eleferia, for sharing the space with the Global Movement Summit. It is always great having you on the call. Thank you very much, 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 Dylan. It's an honor, again, to speak to you, to speak to everybody who's listening. Thank you very much for listening. Eleftheria, I just wanted to say a special thank you for having the courage to hold the space. Because I'm sure there are so many of you on this call who may even be founding yourself drawn to that moment, to that space, fearful of diving into the nothingness, to go where no one fears to go. But to know that in that space, there's a spark an ignition, an energizing mobilization, an acceleration and a reaction that lives within. Chirach Tulisani wrote this. There are people who we meet who have but little roles to play in our lives, who happen to be no more than a special appearance in our story. People who influence, who possess the drift 
the force whose implication leads us forward in our course of life. We might have never come across them until today and probably not hear from them tomorrow or ever after. For all that exists is this moment, a moment enough for them to fulfill their purpose, that being to help us find our way and enough for us to fulfill ours, that being actually find it, reach it and accomplish it. They are those who bring meaning to our lives, who happen to aspire, who spark a fire that we carry for the rest of our days, who are but pillars of hope and sometimes sacrifice, life changers, lifesavers, catalysts. Thank you for being such a person. Thank you for being the medium to let that energy flow through you and land as it will. The rest is best said in silence. Heard of those misfits? The rebels? The troublemakers? Those who see things differently and who are not very fond of rules and have little or no respect for the status quo? Okay, so here's to those crazy ones. Love them or hate them. Quote them or disagree with them. You can even glorify or vilify them. But about the only thing you cannot do is ignore them. Why? Because they are the ones who change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as crazy, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are really the ones who often do so. I gather you're familiar with that brilliant quote and the amazing campaign by the revolutionary Apple company, right? Well, here's the thing. It's these kinds of people who usually rock the boat, who ignite the spark and who rattle the unwakened. And Eleftheria sounds like one such lady. She is certainly a catalyst, a propeller, a walker of her walk and a talker of her talk. But of course, not everyone's a catalyst. But that doesn't mean that you cannot make an impact. Jane Goodall sums it up very nicely when she says, you cannot get through a single day without having made an impact on the world around you. So before I hand you back to Lena, here's something to think about. What you do does make a difference. You just have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. <laughs>